What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly Evans. Here's what's ahead. Let's repeat it once more with emphasis. It's officially a bear market. The S&P today down 20% from its record intraday high on January 4th. The Dow's on track for its longest weekly losing streak in 100 years. And Jim Cramer says Powell needs to go big and he needs to do it now. Why the case for further tightening remains strong, even with stocks suffering like they are. Plus, it's time to get into tech, just not the usual suspects. We're skipping mega caps for three mid and large cap names. Goldman Sachs says our great buys right now. And software, hardware, cyber and social. Those are all today's three buys and debate. But first, we begin with these markets. And Dom Chu has the latest numbers. Stop me if you've heard this before. We started off the day positive and we're not there now. That's exactly, Kelly, what's playing out today. To give you some idea of where we are, we are tilting towards the lows of the session right now. Uh, For the S&P 500, we'll focus on that broader measure right now. 38.32 is that level. At the highs today, we were actually up roughly 43 points in the S&P. At the lows of the session, down roughly 77. So you can see tilting at minus 69 towards that lower end of the trading range. The Nasdaq Composite, 11,104 right now, down 283 handles, 2.5% declines. Has been the case for a while, the underperformer there. The Dow Industrials, 30,804, down 450 points at this stage, 1.5% declines here. This season so far has shaped up to be very much about the back end of earnings season and the retail specific stories. Again, if you look at raw stores, by far the worst performing the S&P 500, down about 24.5%. This on disappointing earnings and maybe more importantly, a disappointing outlook factoring in things like inflation, maybe a slowdown in consumer spending, all of those macro headwinds. Raw stores is taking down a fellow discount retailer and TGX companies down 8%. But then Walmart, Target, those two big earnings reports early in the week, they're still showing weakness right now. And even Best Buy on the big box electronics side of things down 5.5%. So that, remember, consumer spending makes up about 70% thereabouts of the U.S. economy. That spending picture matters. And then on the mega cap side of things, Tesla, it's tech, it's kind of consumer discretionary. It's technically consumer discretionary, and that's why the sector is lagging so far today. Those shares are down 10% right now. A lot of factors at play, obviously, not just Elon Musk and Twitter, the battle to kind of take that company over, but also some of these allegations now coming about whether or not there could be sexual harassment facing Elon Musk at some point down the line. Those particular shares are down 10% right now. And I would point out, Kelly, that if you look at the record highs over the last year, at this point, we are now down roughly 48% off of those record highs that we saw for Tesla. Again, so much market value lost. We'll see if there's any kind of a bottom that's shaping up Anytime soon, Kel. Back over to you. All right, Dom, for now, thank you very much with a Dow down 500 points. Tech stocks have been a mess this year, taking the brunt of the selling with the Nasdaq down more than 28% from its highs. And pretty much nothing's been immune. Software, big cap, semis, cloud, even the stalwart Apple has been hit. But my next guest has some ideas that could pay off in the long run. Let's bring in Brooke Dane. He's portfolio manager at Goldman Sachs Asset Management. 
Brooke, uh, welcome. You know, it takes a strong stomach, I guess, to be to be steering the ship right now. So where do you think are the best opportunities? Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. You know, it is a it's been about the most complicated uh, tech investing environment that I can remember over the past 20 years. And it's a really important time to be out talking with clients and investors about where we do see opportunities. So, you know, when we step back and look at the opportunity set around us, we are still big believers in, you know, the long-term transformational impacts of much of the tech ecosystem. So if you think about, you know, in broad brush, what's happening in software and digital transformation, what's happening in semiconductors with renationalization and, and semi-cap equipment, we think there's tremendous opportunities in there. Now, I will say, we don't have an edge in calling the macro, and clearly the economy has slowed and has slowed pretty dramatically out there. So as always, we're encouraging investors to have a balanced view and, and to be thinking about risk rewards. You know, we're big uh, believers in focusing on valuations and free cash flows, as well as investing in these disruptive companies that we think have huge opportunities. So we are seeing a lot of opportunities, you know, in software specifically, just to talk for a minute, you know, um, I think there's a belief out there that software is going to do relatively better in a tougher environment because mm -hmm. we do feel like companies are investing in digital transformation. We actually got a proof point of that earlier this week, where I don't know if you caught it, but when Bath and Body Works reported, you know, they're a retailer that's going through some difficult times with right. the impacts of inflation and labor and all those kind of things. What they talked about in their call, though, is they're actually accelerating their investment in technology to, to capture the opportunity. So they're taking their tech spend up from 75 million to 100 million this year because they they like they view the imperative of making this digital transformation happen. Do you That's the kind of proof point that gives us comfort out there. So. Absolutely and, and exactly the kind of thing you'd be listening for. One more kind of big picture question on this though. Do you think that this will prevent uh, tech stocks, let's say software, whatever you're going to say, from falling into a post-2001 <laughs> kind of slump, a post-financial crisis kind of slump? I mean, the kind of thing where people get thrown out of the room for even mentioning tech you know, investment ideas. Yeah, I don't think so. And you know, there's a couple of reasons behind that. But fundamentally, these businesses are incredibly solid. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about companies like Microsoft or HubSpot or Dynatrace, where like their businesses are actually performing at very high levels. You know, and we expect them to continue to. And you know, now the stocks, you know, basically you've had this environment where all the tech stocks have sold off in almost lockstep based on their growth rates. We think that creates an incredible opportunity for differentiation amongst the winners and the losers. And and for the ability to, you know, to identify those companies that you think can compound out their cash flows at high rates over time. But there is going to be winners and losers across this environment, and it's just really important to to hone in on where you think you have insight and where things are being differentiated. Sure. And you mentioned, and Microsoft's the biggest cap of the ones that uh, you're here to talk about today. There are four, uh, Microsoft, but also HubSpot, Dynatrace, KLA. Tell us about the last three concisely, if you, you know, why, why these jump out at you as opportunity. Sure. Maybe I'll start from the bottom and work back up. So KLA is a semiconductor equipment manufacturer. You know, you're seeing this incredible move to, to bring semi-capacity back onshore and to reinvest in our manufacturing footprint for semis specifically and specifically on the leading edge. You know, KLA is going to be a prime beneficiary of that. Um, the big controversy in the stock is, is whether we're at a cyclical peak for semi-equipment um, spending. Right. We don't think you are. But also, the valuations you're being asked to pay for this company are incredibly attractive. So it's at 13 and a half times forward earnings for a business that we think can grow you know, sustainably across the cycle and has real opportunity, and as well as then you've got this tremendous effort in both the U.S. and in Europe to reshore manufacturing. Right. So we think the fundamentals there are rock solid. It's trading at its lowest 
premium or now it's at a discount to the market and a discount to some of its peers. We just think it's a, a hugely attractive setup. Dynatrace and HubSpot in, in a word, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those two, you know, so two mid-cap software names where, you know, both of them have different demand drivers, but what you're looking at with both those companies are, are businesses that are generating free cash flows as we speak now, have room for operating margin leverage, but are also growing their businesses at very high rates. So, you know, HubSpot uh, is growing, you know, has been growing in the, the high 30s kind of rate. They're growing new customers at an accelerated rate, um, and they're driving up, you know, their price points across their installed base. We also think that they've set very appropriate guidance that takes into account some of the macro uncertainty out there. So we feel good about their position. And especially if your lens extends longer into 23 and 24, this looks like a really attractive entry point. With Dynatrace, you know, also a mid-cap software name, but playing a very different part of the ecosystem. You know, they're, they're doing apps monitoring and management um, software. That's a business that's exploding as customers, you know, go through this digital transformation wave and, and, yeah. and create applications out there. Also, you know, generates 30% free cash flow margins growing at a very attractive rate. So, you know, we look at those names that have retraced so much of their gains over the past couple of years with just great fundamentals, good valuation support, and think that there's real opportunities. And a quick stocks. final word of all, you know, everything out there in mega cap tech, why Microsoft? You know, so if you want to talk about one of the best managed companies out there in the world, Microsoft is at the top of the list. You know, they've done an exceptional job of both executing on the revenue opportunities in front of them, but delivering margins over time and, and really scaling their business. So first of all, you know, A plus management team. Second of all, the two big growth drivers of the business, the move to the cloud, and then the, the annuitization of the office businesses, they moved to uh, Office 365 and then M365. Is just continues to do very, very well. And we have you know, a high degree of confidence in their ability to execute. Also, during a tougher economic time, Microsoft really should be able to press its advantage hmm. to be able to take both talent out there and, and recruit from other tech companies where they offer more stability and more certainty, as well as take share in the software market as they can bundle in effectively more products and, and that their products, which you know, tend to be more attractively priced, can really take share across enterprise. So Four we do picks feel like that's a ver- for the long run. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Brooke, thank Thanks, you Scott. so much for your time, especially on another tough market day. We appreciate it. Goldman Sachs, Brooke Dane. All right. Well, some in the market are saying the Fed will start slowing down its tightening talk because of the growth concerns we've seen lately. Others caution they should be tightening a lot more right now to fight inflation. So let's review the data this week. We've gotten some positives, but also a lot of signs still of strong inflationary headwinds. The Empire State Index on current business conditions tumbled 36 points to minus 11 in May. That was definitely a bad surprise, unless we're getting to the point where the bad now needs to be in the good column. Retail sales showed firmness. Core sales were higher than expected. Annual sales were up about 8%, but that basically just matched the inflation rate. The Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index slumped back to its lowest level in about two years. Again, it's bad unless it's kind of good, if you know what I'm saying. And weekly jobless claims edged higher, 218,000. That's still a historically strong level that points to more hiring in an already stretched labor market. So again, all of this data is basically not bad enough to be bad or good. It just kind of says we're stuck here at this point where inflation is still a problem. The yield curve also still signaling strong nominal demand. The three-month tenure, we've talked about this, still at a steep about one8 points, and that overall still points towards nominal demand growing pretty strongly. And now earnings this week, on top of everything else, show corporate America absolutely reeling from inflation. Even names like Walmart and Target and Deer that were expected to benefit. That has Jim Cramer calling on Fed Chair Powell to go even bigger with rate hikes in order to rebalance the economy. Here's what Jim said last night on Mad Money. 
He needs to act and act now with a much tougher stance. Powell has the freedom to go big. He could even do a 100 basis point hike, and he should because we need to break the back of inflation before it becomes too ingrained in the economy. After the superinflation-inspired earnings disasters we just got from Target and Walmart, everyone should understand the urgency of the situation. Well, my next guest agrees that the Fed is behind the curve. Joining me now is Aneta Markowska. She's chief financial economist at Jefferies. Aneta, welcome. I mean, can you respond to Jim's point here? Did corporate America show us this week that inflation is hurting a lot more than it could possibly be helping right now? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, the Fed obviously has pretty much locked itself into 50 basis point moves at the next two meetings. So I think the probability of them speeding that up is, is, is extremely low. And that means we won't get to a neutral rate until September at the earliest. Um, and that just means that inflation will continue to potentially build on itself. You know, we, we obviously saw a lot of cracks developing in the retail sector. So far, those cracks seem to be more in the cost structure than, than top line growth. Uh, the consumer actually is very resilient and, and is not, you know, we're not seeing any sight of demand destruction. Um, they're demonstrating, you know, both ability and willingness to spend. And I think that will continue. Um, and so the, the Fed is really going to have to work quite a bit harder um, to, to dampen demand and to ultimately push inflation back toward, you know, what needs to be. Yeah, you think they probably will have to hike north of 4%. Is that right? I, I think that's eventually where, where we'll have to get. Uh, I don't necessarily think the market's going to be repricing that anytime soon because there is just so much concern right now. And I think we'll need a lot of data sort of proving otherwise before investors are ready to take rates um, you know, higher from here. It might take you know three months or, or even more. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't see how you know the, the, the scenario that the Fed painted where they can slow growth just enough to push inflation back down um, you know, I think that might have been possible if they started last year when the labor market was just sort of approaching equilibrium. But we're well past that point. We already have historically tight labor market conditions and everything points to continued tightening. Um, so, you know, just stabilizing growth, a trend I don't think will do it. I think they'll have to actually create slack. And typically when you start to do that, when you start to push unemployment up, you know, that tends to create a negative feedback loop, right, where uh, personal income slows, that slows consumption, that ultimately slows revenues and intensifies margin compression, and that kind of leads to even more layoffs. So once you get into that negative feedback loop, it, it's very hard to get out of it, um, and you end up in a recession. I think that's that's the scenario what, that we're headed towards. It's the question of, you know, when is that going to happen? And I'm not in a camp that we're going to be in a recession in the next two, 12 months. I think it's more in a 24-month time, time frame. Um, but yeah, I do think that at the end of the day, the Fed is just going to have to kill this cycle. Yeah, but it sounds like you're saying the cycle is, is you know, about to commit suicide anyway. Um, I, no, I mean, I'm actually quite constructive on growth this year. I think we can still average 3% growth, um, you know, and I think we'll slow to maybe below trend next year. But what typically, you know, causes recessions is corporate America that's been through a long period of margin compression, um, that's burning cash, that's, you know, sees its balance sheets deteriorate and ultimately shifts into cost cutting mode. And I just don't think we're quite there yet. I think that's, you know, 20, maybe 18 to 24 months away. A quick final question. If they did something more shock and awe style right now, raising a full point like Jim suggested, maybe doing that a few times, I mean, something truly what we would think would be almost crazy right now. But do you think that would then um, 
fix the problem? You know, would it would it basically set us up for a healthier economy in the next five to 10 years as a result? I think, you know, either way, it's going to hurt. It's a question of do you want to take, you know, uh, some pain in the near term or more pain down the down the line? Um, and and I, I think, you know, the latter scenario is more likely. Right. Here. Well, we know, institutionally, we know we know uh, there will probably only be pushed to move aggressively as opposed to doing it uh, at the moment. Annette, we'll leave it there. And thanks again for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Anna Markowska of Jeffries. Coming up, transport stocks have been declining despite their earnings going up. My next guest says that won't continue, and he's betting that the stocks will change course. We'll look at the names he sees leading this reversal, with the transports down almost 2% again today. Plus, there's one group that has been a bright spot, clean energy. The TAN Solar ETF up more than 6% this week. Lithium and battery stocks also firmly higher. We'll look at their staying power ahead. And as we go to break, here's a quick check on market. It's Dow sinking 550 points at fresh session lows. S&P 3820 down more than 20% from its highs. We're back in a moment. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Plenty of people have been pointing to the transports as a sign that the economy is weakening right now. Of course, surging fuel prices haven't helped the sector. Gasoline prices, a record $4.59 a gallon. Diesel prices, how about $5.57? That's a 76% increase year on year. And yet my next guest says the bearishness on transports is overdone and freight flows show the economy is fine and still growing robustly. Joining me now is Donald Broughton. He is a managing partner at Broughton Capital. Donald, Donald, it's great to have you. And let's separate well, some, you know, fact from fiction right now. We are seeing declining um, freight volumes, aren't we? I mean, what, no. what's going on here? No, quite, quite the opposite. Uh, freight flows in just every day and mode out there are continuing to grow, go up. Now, we're seeing some shift between modes. So some of the over-the-road truck is being converted to domestic intermodal truck to rail to truck, the kind of stuff that J.B. Hunt does. Uh, but we're continuing to see volumes grow. In fact, here's an interesting stat for you. Look at the import containers. Supposedly, we had all big, huge problem congestion. Uh, but you know what? We, we moved 18, almost 19% more containers into the country in 2021 than we did in the previous peak, 2018. Now, that said, the beginning of the year, the first quarter, the first four or five months, actually, are, tend to be the seasonally softest in that movement. Yet, in the last three months, we've already proved, like through the West Coast, 9% more containers through than we did in the last three months of 2021. So, arguably, not only things are things not going down, they're accelerating. And this is consistent with what Annetta just told us last segment, how she sees the economy still having uh, quite a lot of oomph to it as well. So why are the transport stocks doing so poorly? Well, because the market 
uh, always is trying to predict, but it over predicts. What is steady eddy and consistently uh, predicts every single upturn now, uh, and, and predicts better than anything else downturns is freight flow because it's the actual movement of goods, things getting made, things getting shipped, things getting consumed. Uh, it's real. It's not emotional. It's just steady eddy uh, because it reflects exactly what the activity that's happening in the marketplace. We talked before earnings season when you said, look, there's a couple of names that are actually going to beat. I think you said maybe even raise. They're going to surprise to the upside. It was J.B. Hunt. And they did. Was it Martin was the other one? That was the other one. But but we saw that pattern uh, repeated again. And those are two of the first transports to, re- to report. And we saw that pattern repeated again and again throughout the, sp- the, the group. Still, the group is down significantly. I mean, J.B. Hunt's yeah. down 22 percent year to date. Transports yeah. are obviously well off their highs. What are going yeah. to be the catalyst for? I mean, most of us would say, well, you know, eventually the flows are going to catch up with the stocks. The market moves first, et cetera. Why do you think no. it's going to be the other way no. around? That's just not true. That's just not true. The, the market's predicted, what, 40 of the last uh, t- 45, Five. 50 yeah. of the last t- uh, t- 10, uh, 10, eight recessions. Uh, and, and, and freight flow has predicted it's overpredicted a couple of times. It's, it's overpredicted. It's predicted ten of the last eight recessions, but uh, it's predicted of consistently when it's going up, uh, the economy's going up, um, and so it's just it's steady. Eddie. It consistently has allowed me to look smarter than I am about predicting the economy because uh, I just know I can go home and, t- and touch it and, and trust it. Um, you know what we've got on is, is it, what is fear? It's false events imagined real. That's what we have going on right now. People are conjuring up all these uh, things that just, in the, when you look at the underlying data, are just not true. Um, so, spot market, for instance, in dry van truckload, yes, it's down sequentially. It's dropped pretty significantly. Um, it was really, really heady, spiky, and it had gotten at one point up to two dollars and seventy cents a mile. Well, it's fallen all the way back to two dollars a mile. But that's still significantly above where it was pre-COVID, a buck forty-five a mile. Um, so yes, sequentially you might zero in on it and look at it and say, "Oh gosh, that's horrible." Right. But when you back up a little bit, you go, uh, "And you it's think still some of good. The, some of the same phenomenon is going on with Target here, where we're over extrapolating their kind of return to pre-pandemic levels as a sign right. that you know the economy is collapsing." Well, two things are happening there. First of all, if you look at their 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 Post the quarantine and then subsequent uh, margins, they were extraordinary. They're the best margins they've ever produced, in part because they're being able to sell everything they have, everything they're getting in at full price. There's no need to, when you're, you can barely keep the shelves full or you can't keep them full, you don't discount anything. But now when you're starting to catch up with inventory, you, you can, and you're not moving necessarily everything, you say, oh, well, you know what, let's put put that off 10% off, 20% off. They start to discount again, just like they normally do. And they've trended back towards the more traditional margins they produced prior. I mean, well, let me just pull up the release real quick. That was kind of funny. I was just read it verbatim. I'll, I'm not a retail analyst. What did they say? Their margin reflected higher markdown rates. First thing they mentioned, um, supply chain disruptions, higher cost related to freight. Okay, that makes sense. And it increased compensation and head count at their, head, uh, their distribution centers. Well, duh, this is this is not new news. But the point is, they're still on yeah. top of what were strong sales a year ago, strong sales previous quarter. They're still growing sales, um, but they're just going to bring margins back to where they normally are. And so whatever cost inflation was getting pushed into by retailers not discounting, 
ah, that's going to go away. That, right. Which flies in the face of the, oh, we got runaway inflation fears. The chicken littles out there running around uh, with their head cuts off, heads well, cut off. And, and that can create some good buying opportunities. And you think the transports are one of them. Donald, yeah. great to have you on today. We appreciate Always a it. pleasure. Donald Broughton, Broughton Capital. Still ahead, this stock, one of the disasters du jour, down more than 12%. The name and what's driving the decline next. Plus, Snap down 9% this week, more than 50% year to date, and down 73% from its highs. Does that make it a cheap buy or a definite bail? Stick around to find out. As we go to break, here's a look at the Dow heat map with Caterpillar, Boeing, and Intel, your biggest decliners. Only five names are in the green right now as the Dow nears a 600-point decline. We're back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Exchange. Markets are dropping here in the afternoon. The Dow down more than 600 points, with Boeing down almost 8%, Caterpillar down 5.5%, the S&P down 2 and two, uh, quarter percent, and NASDAQ down about 3% right now. It's only 47 points above 11,000. In fact, the NASDAQ is down more than 5% just this week. Let's re- revisit what a brutal week it has been. We started out okay, then we fell sharply, obviously, as we moved throughout the session here, and uh, then tried to kind of level things off on Thursday before resuming this down trend here as we close things out. Again, 45 points above 11,000. We're back to levels from November of 2020 right now. As for the Dow, it's down 15% this year. This index back to March 2021 levels. It's just kind of been a straight line lower, picking up even a little bit of steam lately. And Deer is pretty emblematic of the problems today. It's having its worst day since 2020 after revenue missed estimates, and the company was hit by supply chain issues and shortages. Remember, people piled into Deer thinking they would benefit from inflation, higher crop prices, better farm income. Instead, the shares are down 14% today. Why? The company said rising fertilizer prices are holding farmers back from purchases, once again demonstrating uh, the perverse effects that inflation or too strong nominal demand is having across the economy. Elsewhere, Applied Materials is also getting hit. This stock is now down 32% this year. They missed on the top and bottom line. The semi-company also issuing weaker-than-expected guidance, saying, you guessed it, supply chain issues were amplified due to COVID shutdowns in China. AMAT down 8% today. Elsewhere in tech, a beat and a raise for Palo Alto Networks. That did send the whole sector higher. The stock uh, briefly up more than 8%. Pairing those gains now, CrowdStrike, Sentinel-1 have now turned negative, um, well off their session highs. And let's end with Apple, which is down another 3% today. It's trading at 132. It's on pace for its worst month since November of 2018. It's down almost 16%. Let's end this and get to Tyler Mathis in for a CNBC News update. Tyler? Let's see if I can bring you some good news, Kelly. Uh, Welcome, everybody. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Russia is cutting off natural gas supplies to Finland. That comes after Finland refused to accept demands that it pay for gas in rubles. A week ago, Russia cut off electricity supplies to Finland. 
All this follows Finland's decision to apply for NATO membership, which Russia says will upend relations between those two countries that share a long border. Much more on this story coming up on the news with Shep Smith tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here on CNBC. The World Health Organization is holding an emergency meeting today to discuss an outbreak of monkeypox in Europe. More than 100 cases of the viral infection have been either confirmed or suspected now in Europe. Monkeypox has rarely spread outside of Africa, but scientists don't believe this will evolve into a COVID-19 style pandemic. And speaking of COVID-19, patrons of Broadway shows in New York City will have to continue wearing masks during performances. The Broadway League, which is the trade group for theater operators and producers, has extended its mask mandate through at least the 30th of June. It has been extended several times, although Broadway theaters did drop a proof of vaccination requirement, uh, Kelly, back on May 1st. Over to you. All right, Tyler, see you soon. Thank you. Up next, bear or no bear? Stocks unable to hold their gains today. Whether or not it's a bear market, well, that's just semantics. According to one strategist, investors are treating it like it is, and he will tell us how to position next. Welcome back to The Exchange, everybody. Lots of debate about whether we're technically in a bear market now. S&P is down 20% from the highs. NASDAQ is down more than that, so certainly the metrics would say yes. Uh, But our investors behaving like that anyway? My next guest says midterm years are typically bad. Historically, bear markets end up performing better if we don't have a recession, and he also doesn't see one coming. Let's bring in Ryan Dietrich, LPL Financial's chief market strategist. Ryan, welcome. So walk us through, uh, you know, what you think is the significance of this 20% drop the S&P just hit today. Yeah, Kelly, thanks for having me. But you mentioned, you know, we were a bear market, are we not? We probably are. I mean, your median stock in the S&P 500 is down close to 30% as we speak. So it, it sure feels like a bear. But what we know coming into this year, <clears throat> we knew we had a big rally last year, yes. But we also knew midterm years pull back 17% on average at some point during the year. We also knew that the first and second quarter of a midterm year are two of the worst quarters out of the entire four-year presidential cycles. That's 16 quarters. This quarter, the second quarter of a midterm year, is actually the worst quarter out of all 16 of those um, quarters of a four-year cycle. So listen, did we expect the market to be this rough the first five months of this year? No. But we said, you know, a pullback of 15 to 20 percent was possible this year, and now it's happened. And that's just kind of the way investors need to remember. One final comment, and we can talk a little more about bear markets, but we've had a lot of bear markets since 1896 when the Dow started trading. Stocks have come back every single time. Sometimes it's taken a little bit, but just investors need to remember this is probably going to look back one or two years from now and have been more of an opportunity than a time to panic. I think the question now, Ryan, is shifting to not the bear market one, which you've just answered, obviously, but the recession one, because people go, okay, well, if it's a bear market, we typically drop about 20 percent. So we're near a bottom. If it's a recession, then we drop 40 percent. So this would have a ways to go. Now, you're right. I mean, we took a look, and like you said, we found nine different bear markets that did not go into recession, bottomed about down 24%. you got to go back 50 years, Kelly. Only once last 50 years have we seen a bear market without a recession that was down like well over 20%. That was the 87 crash. The rest of the time is down about 19% um, multiple times. That's kind of where we are. If you have a recession, yeah, then you're down um, you know, about 34% on average. We just don't see a recession here. And why not? And when, you know, it, would it matter if we just have a period of chronic underperformance because of inflation? You know, are we, are we asking the wrong question? Right. 
Yeah, well, inflation's clearly there. I mean, the consumer, my goodness, some of the numbers we've seen from those retailers. But I'll tell you, earnings season overall is still solid. But corporate America still had to say about the future is still solid. Things aren't perfect. But look at the one we're really watching is that three-month, 10-year yield curve. I know we all were talking about the yield curve a few months ago. That is still fairly steep, right? Historically, that needs to invert before you really start the um, – you know, the, the stopwatch, I guess you could say, to when a recession is going to take place. And it's not perfect. We think it's more, last comment, we think it's more like a mid-cycle slowdown, a la 94, when the Fed hiked rates from 3% to 6% to the number on the bond market. Stocks didn't do very well either. Then the economy kept going. We think it's kind of one of those indigestion periods, and we just don't see a recession, more of a slowdown. And that's kind of what the market's pricing in, if you think about it. All right, Ryan, thanks as always for the info. Good to have you on today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ryan Dietrich. And we're off the lows. Dow's down 444. The Nasdaq falling about 6% this week, though, adding to already big losses. It's now down 31% from its all-time high last November. We'll get three tech names to buy and the social media name to stay away from after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody. The S&P and Nasdaq remain on pace for a seventh straight week of losses. That's the worst stretch since 2001. It's eight weeks down for the Dow. Our next guest sees opportunity within the broader tech wreck and has three names to buy and one to avoid. Joining me now is CNBC contributor Gina Sanchez. She's chief market strategist at Lido Advisors and has three buys and a bail for us today. Gina, welcome. First one, Microsoft. Why are you picking it up here? So Microsoft is one of these names that Lido Advisors has held for some time, and we believe that it's going to be a survivor through this tech wreck. This is a company that, that really sells into the cloud story. Um, they're selling up and down the stack, building out their Azure uh, platform, and this is something that we think that people cannot live without, businesses cannot live without. And so regardless of what happens in terms of a near-term potential recession um, and further volatility and even a re-rating um, in, in the bond markets, we still think that there's value here. All right. So Microsoft, a name that again, down one and a half percent today, 249. You say stick with it. Broadcom, that's name number two. Bit of a battlefield lately. Uh, Stalwart, you know, one of the lower multiple stocks, but obviously concerns about the broader semi-sector. Cisco had a pretty bad week. Uh, Tell me why this one you think people can stick with. So Broadcom is interesting because they're specifically focused on next-gen servers. Um, So they're not as broad as, say, an NVIDIA in terms of what they're trying to target. And as a result, you know, they tend to sort of hit singles and doubles as opposed to, you know, huge numbers. But they do it it with with consistency. um, And they have huge margins, um, which is to say that the company has a tremendous amount of value. And you're right. They have a lower valuation. And it is just simply a better value right now in the tech space. All right. Then the number three is also a tech name, Palo Alto. The shares obviously just jumping today. They raised that guidance, strong cybersecurity demand. Was today was this a catalyst for you or was this one you liked anyway? Well, this is one that we liked anyway. The guidance obviously was a sweetener, um, but you know, if you look at the the trend here, software, hardware, cyber, all of these things are part of that broad, broader cloud play that we think you know we're continuing to head towards as an economy, um, and quite frankly, is you know potentially a way that we live our lives. And so, cybersecurity is one of these areas that he, demand right now is huge. You can see it. Palo Alto Networks is an enormous executor in this space, and they're raising guidance right now while everybody else is suffering. So they're one of the few companies that have actually done quite well. What does it say to you that the stock is managing a 7% gain in one of the difficult, you know, most difficult tapes we've seen? 
That's, that basically speaks to where priorities are right now. Priorities are about building out the ability to continue to do business, and without cyber, it doesn't work. Yeah, and maybe a glimmer of hope for everybody who's trying to pick through these names right now. Not everything is being thrown out. Uh, but speaking of, let's get to your bail today. Uh, it is a social media name. It's Snap. It's down 50% this year, more than 70% off the highs. And you're not buying what they're selling here, are you? No, we're not. Look, this is a company that we didn't like before. So, you know, if we hated it, then we hate it more now. Um, partially because it's one of those companies that just couldn't figure out its revenue game. And now the time is really ticking down. Um, so I think that they're not going to be able to get their revenue game in, in order and get to positive earnings. I mean, this is a company that's still losing money, um, but still playing around with different potential earnings models and, and revenue models that just are not yet working and we don't think that the market is going to give it enough time to figure to figure its revenue game out. Would you say that about social media more broadly or are the more obviously uh, Meta has fig figured things out in, at least in terms of reporting, uh, maybe not so much in terms of business strategy? Look, I, I think the social media space right now is one of those spaces that because there's the potential for regulation, we don't know what that looks like, um, it could change the business models. However, there are other social media names that have figured out the revenue game, unlike Snap, which is also has the same potential but hasn't figured out its revenue game. We just, you know, we think there's a lot of risk in the space and it's a space that, you know, we, we tread lightly in. Um, but Snap is just one of those that kind of lends to a bigger theme, which is Right now, you don't want to own low-quality stuff that who's who has yet to be, who have yet to become profitable. Dare I extend that to Twitter? <laughs> yes, you you may <laughs> you may extend it. I would avoid that one as well. As the board begs Elon <laughs> Musk to carry forward with the sale. All right, Gina, we'll uh -huh. leave it there. Thank you so much. It's good to see you today. Gina Sanchez with Thank Lido you. Advisors. Coming up, a telecom, a home builder, and a video game company. The three companies one fund manager says uh, are primed to buy. We will dig into those calls next. Welcome back to The Exchange. Stocks have given up their early gains. The Dow's down 400 points now as recession fears rise. The Dow's on pace for its eighth straight losing week, in fact, the first time that's happened since 1923. And while everyone else is getting more defensive, my next guest says it's time to start taking on more risk. Here with some names he would buy is Christian Ledoux, Director of Investments at CapTrust. I mean, we're talking AT&T risk, not like anything too crazy here, Christian. But um, what are the stocks and the reasons why you think investors uh, shouldn't be afraid to tiptoe into equities right now. Well, Kelly, thank you for having me on this Friday. I wish I could say it was a happy Friday. Uh, but what I would say is we have seen the initial signs of inflation coming to a peak. And uh, I know that that's the primary fear in, in the market today. Uh, but when you see things like what happened to the retailers yesterday, they're bringing on too much inventory. And what has happened when you get too much inventory, the retailers put it on bargain. So that's what we had to look forward to. And the other big component of the CPI that should get some relief going down the road is uh, housing. You got a 5% uh, mortgage rate now, 5.5% actually. That's going to start crimping demand and we'll see prices come down there. So that could be your story of the second half of this year where the Fed maybe doesn't have to raise as much. And that's, you know, yeah, I was going to say that said you actually like a home builder here as well. Right, right. Well, let me hit AT&T first. So AT&T is the one that you want to buy during a volatile period like this. 
Uh, very stable business, as you might imagine, telecom services. AT&T made a horrible acquisition way back uh, in 2016 with Time Warner, and they finally unwound that. Uh, we're now seeing signs from management that they've been sufficiently chastised and are willing to stick to the core business, cut costs, and raise prices. These are the kind of things that show incremental uh, positives on a stock that's had a, a pretty bad five-year period. So that that's the case for AT&T. We know it's just been a, a tougher one, but in a, in a way, people might feel safer in it these days. Let's talk Pulte. Nintendo as well is another name you think screens well right now. Absolutely. So, Pulte, you're, you're going to have to uh, be cautious on the timing aspect of this, but what, what we're seeing is a stock that peaked over a year ago, and this is during a fabulous home-building market. Uh, profits continue to rise for this company, and yes, we are going to see a downturn in housing, as I indicated earlier. Uh, what we'll probably see, though, is the stock bottoming well before the next upturn comes. So if we see a, a, a bit of a housing recession in the next few months here, which is probably likely, uh, this stock could actually start moving up in anticipation of the next boom. Well, the stock's even been moving kind of sideways the last several weeks or so, which is a somewhat encouraging sign. What about Nintendo? Well, Nintendo is a, uh, a, a zigger when the others are zagging. I like that kind of theme. Uh, PlayStation and, and Xbox, those uh, new consoles came out a couple of years ago. Nintendo's about to do its new console coming out late this year, early next. Uh, so they'll have the market clear to themselves. They are also an iconic brand manager. So you've got uh, the Mario Brothers franchise, the Zelda franchise, many others. Uh, they can continue to run with those stories. And I'll give you a wild card. When Microsoft decided it was uh, going to try to buy Activision, it is making some concessions in order to make that close by allowing Call of Duty, one of their biggest games, to be uh, available on the Nintendo platform. Hmm. So you can see a bunch of new users on that. I like wild cards. What is the main discussion you're having with clients these days? Do they even want to hear stock ideas, or do you have to kind of, again, make the case more broadly about uh, why their holdings aren't about to keep falling in value? Well, what we're telling clients now at CapTrust is, uh, of course, there's going to be bear markets. We're touching on one now, uh, but a lot of stocks are already in bear market. Uh, I think a prior guest of yours just pointed out the median stock in the S&P is down 30%. Go to the Russell 3000 and the median stock's down 35 to 40%. Wow. Uh, a lot of damage. The unprofitable tech index down 75, 80%. So the Fed has accomplished what it was trying to do, uh, pop the asset bubble. And that's still giving us a lot of new opportunities going forward, but also that the real economy stocks, the, the businesses like AT&T trading at less than eight times earnings with 5.5% dividend yield, they're attractive now as well. So you've got a lot of opportunities out there. All right. Christian, great to have you today. Thanks for all your ideas and wild cards. Thank you, Kelly. Christian Ledoux with CapTrust. Still ahead, this name's down 4.5% today, but it's up a nice 6% this week, and it's been a tough week. We will we will reveal it and the other names outperforming in the space. That's next. Welcome back. One more thing before we go today, a bright spot in the market that might not be on your radar, the solar stocks. Sonova was our mystery chart today. It's lower, but finishing the week up strong, about 6%. In fact, Pippa Stevens is here now with why these clean energy names are some of the week's big winners, Pippa. 
Yeah, hey, Kelly, losing some momentum today, but clean energy stocks are still higher for the week in what's been a very turbulent time for the overall market. Solar, wind, hydrogen and lithium names all finishing here in the green. Now, part of this boost is thanks to the EU announcing a new plan to move away from Russian energy. They said solar will be the, quote, kingpin of this effort, with capacity doubling by 2025. A number of European countries, including Germany and Denmark, also pledging to quadruple offshore wind by 2030. Now, the region represents a huge expansion opportunity for U.S. companies. And FaZe's CEO, Baji Kathandaraman, telling me that they're tripling down on Europe. Now, turning to specific stocks, Array Technologies, Maxion Solar, TPI Composites, and Orsted among the big winners this week. But, and this is a big but, a week does not a trend make. And these stocks are still down big for 2022. They face headwinds, including inflationary pressures, rotation out of growth, as well as the Department of Commerce's ongoing tariff investigation, Kelly. And Pippa, if people missed it, they should go catch our full interview with Jeremy Grantham this week. He, you know, he's famously bearish on the stock market and on the economy right now, but he's very bullish on resource names and on climate change. So he called out lithium and a few other areas of opportunity here in the energy transition where he thinks people should put capital to work. Yeah, the long-term investors say that this is really a buy-the-dip opportunity because there is this big disconnect with lithium specifically about where we are now and where our plans to be in, you know, a decade time and the amount of raw materials or MIFs, the metals important for future technologies that will that will require this big energy transition push. So on a day like this, in a market like this, when there is this volatility, you know, the longer term investors say buy the dip. But it is definitely pick your specific companies because all these names have very different plans and do very different things. So really got to do your research. Yeah, I exactly. I said to him, you know, I'm, these are some unproven business models. And he said, yeah, there will be a high failure rate, but these at least are growing their top line and will continue to do so. Pippa, thanks very much. Pippa Stevens, we appreciate it today. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.